Hammer, and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! I gotta tell you, Hammer, this... I mean, this bombshell FBI informant document that Senator Grassley produced yesterday involving a $10 million bribery allegation against President Biden through a confidential source, a trusted confidential source in the FBI. It's mind-blowing to me. Like, trust me, I would have been the first to open this mic and say, yeah, we've got to impeach him if this was Donald Trump or his son, Jr., or uh, anybody, anyone associated with him. But this thing, this thing is amazing, and the only thing the press is talking about. Uh, in rare move, this is from ABC News. In rare move, Grassley releases unverified FBI source report. Uh, AP News, Grassley releases full FBI memo about unverified claims about Hunter Biden. Grass, CNN, Grassley releases internal FBI document about unverified Biden bribery claims. It's almost like some talking points were sent out to certain media Absolutely. networks. And if this were the other way around, if this were Don Jr., this was Eric Trump, if this was Baron Trump making tens of millions of dollars off the Burisma Energy Company, um, it, it, this would totally be a different scenario. Now, the key word I caught there from CBS News was unverified. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they were at the forefront of pushing Russian collusion they down our throats for a number of years. They all were. Uh, not only Russian collusion, but uh, Russian hacked Hunter Biden laptop information. We just had those uh, uh uh, hearings yesterday on the weaponization of the government and the, the collusion with big tech and squashing that story. Our friend Emma Jo Morris. Emma Jo Morris um, testified yesterday. She was the one that was writing about Biden uh, scoring millions of dollars in deals with China, deals with individuals with direct ties to Chinese intelligence. She was writing about that last year, early last year. And and we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine, Hammer. We're not tracking the money. Who knows? I mean, you're a betting man. What percentage of the billions of dollars that we're sending over to Ukraine is, is getting lost due to bribery and corruption over there? So we've already seen some of the, quote, weapons that we've given Ukraine for their defense end up on the black market and somehow end up in the hands of Mexican drug cartels. Yeah. So our tax dollars are doing the full circuit here. They go to Ukraine, they hit black market, they end up in the Mexican drug cartels, to which they use to bring fentanyl across the border and kill kids in our community. This story right here, this FBI informant document that Grassley released would be this would be totally presented totally differently in the press if this was Donald Trump. 100%. You're absolutely right. And it's not just the thing about Hunter because I hear a no, lot no. of people say, well, Hunter's not the president. Hunter isn't this. Hunter isn't that. No, 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 no. This isn't just about Hunter. This is about the entire Biden crime family. And it's also about why did the FBI quash this probe into Biden in the first place after this document was released? So there's an interesting piece in the Daily Mail today that says Hunter Biden could face between six and ten criminal referrals. And the Biden family easily accepted over $25 million in foreign payments. This is according to James Comer, the chair of the Oversight Committee. Payments were allegedly made in exchange for influence 
and accessibility when the big guy was the vice president. Right. And this is ultimately how a senior Ukrainian prosecutor was fired. Yes. See, what was happening was the Burisma, the energy company that, that hired Hunter to be on the board with no experience, right? Burisma was worried that this prosecutor's probe would hinder its efforts to get publicly traded in the U.S. They wanted to partner up with a with an American company, an American energy company, and make a lot of money in the States. But this Ukrainian, this, this prosecutor that was investigating Burisma was going to mess it all up. So guess what happened? As Joe Biden says on tape, he got fired. <laughs> yeah. On tape. Yeah. And I can't stress that enough. It's on videotape. Everybody lost their minds when CNN and Caitlin Collins had a little piece of audio of Donald Trump talking about classified documents. It was an audio recording. Well, the big guy here is on full video, <laughs> laughing, yucking it up, playing grab ass with all of his crooked buddies, and everybody looks the other direction. It's almost as if there's a double standard, Nige. And Byron Donalds, who's a member of the Oversight Committee, he has some thoughts on Grassley releasing the document, what we found out from this past week of testimonies. He kind of sums it all up nicely here. And what we have now seen, if you go through the Durham report, what Mr. Ziegler and Mr. Shapley testified to in the Oversight Committee yesterday and in front of Ways and Means a few weeks ago, the fact that the Oversight Committee investigation into the money flow from China, from Ukraine, yes. from Romania, and there are other countries that are coming forward, our House investigation eerily matches what the IRS International Tax Fraud d- d- Department was investigating. And all of this is matching up. And the last thing that is also matching up is that you have political holdovers and political appointees at the Department of Justice who were obstructing justice so that this matter was never brought to the light of day. Last thing, you also have uh, our current Secretary of State who led this letter of 51 people in our intelligence community who said that the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation and we now know that is a lie. So I think that the FBI has nothing to stand on as far as i'm concerned this form should have been released to the public long ago and it should have been investigated by the fbi but they quashed it i mean for god's sake biden said he was gonna withhold billions of dollars in loan guarantees from ukraine unless they fired that prosecutor that happened to be investigating barisma the same energy company that hunter biden with no experience was hired to sit on the board for The first impeachment of President Trump in the House was basically Donald Trump claiming that he was going to withhold aid from Zelensky. They impeached him in the House over that. And he got the aid. He sent the aid. Right. They still got the aid. Get your house in order, dude. Where's this money going? Where's this aid going? Get your house in order. Even Zelensky didn't think it was a big deal. But let me ask you this. So based on what's happened in the past, the Democrats have clearly set the rules of engagement here. Should the Republican House try to move forward with impeachment of Joe Biden or let me throw you the tinfoil hat? Is that what the Democrats want? Is that their chance to finally get him off of the ticket and slide somebody else in? Oh, you just blew my mind. (laughs) I mean, Republicans are calling uh to impeach biden after the release of this document um this this what they call the fd 1023 form uh there are republicans that are are slowly but surely forming um you know under the opinion that yeah let's let's get this together let's do this and but you're right uh, democrats might want that 
Yes. They don't want his old bones running again. This would be their chance to get rid, in theory, of Biden and Kamala. Because if he's impeached in the House, hell, maybe some Democrat senators all get together and go, hey, this is our chance to hit the reset button and get somebody on the ticket for 2024, whether that's Gavin Newsom, whether that's Michelle Obama, whoever it is. Interesting. Somebody that can walk without falling. And I can't stress that enough. Walk without <laughs> falling down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. The Hammer and Nigel Show. I've been meaning to ask you, because we were never allowed to talk about it on the air, uh, but your son just graduated high school, and you and Crystal presented him with a very cool surprise. Uh, you guys are taking a trip. You're flying out to... Myrtle Beach or yeah. something like that? Did you? How did he take the surprise to go down? So we wanted to kind of wait until his open house, which was this past weekend. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, he's working, and he has to turn the dates in that he's off. So oh. once he got hired, we had to tell him, all right, we're going to take a trip. Now, I've never been to Myrtle Beach. We wanted to do something different this time. Usually, if I'm going beach, I'm going to like Florida somewhere. But uh, yeah, we're going to hit up uh, Myrtle Beach, fly out on a Sunday, come back on on a Thursday. Are you sure you're flying? <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. I'm looking at all of these stories online. A lot of drama with the airlines, but I've been told that everybody should just relax, take a deep breath, mm -hmm. because your travel and transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, is on the case. Uh, this is an incredibly complex system, uh, so uh, uh, glitches or complications uh, happen all the time. <laughs> Just kind of shrugs his shoulders. Hey, glitches. Eh, glitches be crazy. <laughs> uh, Pete Buttigieg, mind you, the same guy who brought us such hits as the roads are racist. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America, and we see a lot of racial disparities. Uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built... The roads are racist. So this is the kind of mastermind that we're dealing with here, sure. hoping we actually get uh, to our vacation destination. And I saw this story today. It's been a rough week for airline travelers, a Hawaiian Airlines passenger. They were stranded for over 30 hours at the airport. Stranded there. 30 hours. They received a $12 food voucher as compensation, and that's it. That's it. It's outrageous is what it is. And the worst part, the airline allegedly refused to return the passenger's luggage. So essentially, they're kind of being held hostage at the airport for 30 hours, and they get a $12 food voucher, which you've, if you've ever tried eating at the airport, $12 in airport food money is like one candy bar. And, and not only that, but where is Pete Buttigieg? Where is the outrage? Where is somebody overseeing? This is crazy. 30 hours, and the airline's not telling you crap, and they give you a $12 food voucher? I couldn't imagine the nightmare. It would be such a nightmare. I've never had to experience anything like that. Thank God I've had delays. Never really even had a flight canceled before uh, until COVID came around, and then things went nutty, of course. But... I, I just I'd, I'd be going berserk. Have you ever had the opportunity to give up your seat to somebody for a certain amount of money? Because I've done that I before. I don't think so. How much did you make? 
Uh, $250. Nice. I was in Chicago on a layover, and they said, we've oversold the flight. If anybody would like to get a $50 voucher and take the next flight, yeah, we'll hook you up. They start small, right? Right. <laughs> you got to play hardball. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. I thought to myself, all right, if they get to 250 I think I'm in. And I saw some other people kind of having the same conversation. So the timing was right. They hit me with 250 I just hung out at the bar in Chicago. I watched a Cubs game there and uh, hopped on a flight a couple hours later. Beautiful. Now, earlier this week, I think we talked about this on Monday, this horrible story about Delta Airlines. They were on the tarmac in Las Vegas, and they had some sort of issue. Now, it's been incredibly hot out there. Temperature around like 113, oh, yeah. 115 degrees. Well, the AC wasn't really working on this flight. And people got stuck on the tarmac on this hot ass flight. Weren't they like urinating themselves? and Passing out. I mean, it was bad. This was real bad. But now the transportation department, led by one Pete Buttigieg, they're looking into it. Oh, okay. Oh, Pete's on the case. That should make everybody feel oh. real comfortable. The guy that's wanting to spend multiple taxpayer dollars on gender-specific crash test dummies, the guy that <laughs> brought right. you such hits as these roads are racist, is going to take care of you if you passed out in the 113-degree heat. I thought he was still on paternity leave, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> uh. He'll probably just tell you it was a glitch and shrug <laughs> his shoulders and, eh, what can you do? Which reminds us of this classic hit. The last time there was drama with the airlines and Pete Buttigieg blamed it on a glitch. Classic hit from Hammer and Nigel Records. You've heard Travel Secretary Pete Buttigieg talk all about the glitch that grounded over 6,000 flights. Glitches or complications uh, happen all the time. Well, now you can celebrate the fact that your flight didn't get off the ground until well after 9 a.m. in song. Hammer and Nigel Records <laughs> presents Pete Buttigieg, the duets. Your favorite travel secretary singing songs with your favorite superstars like... Meredith Brooks. Elton John. Ludicrous. Charlie Daniels Band. Johnny said, Devil, just come on back if you ever want to try again. I done told you once, you son of a glitch. I'm the Right now, we'll throw in this complimentary copy of Freedom Rock. Hey, man, is that Freedom Rock? Heat Buddha Judge, the duets from Hammer and Nigel Records. There it is. New from Hammer and Nigel Records. Bravo. Good luck traveling. When are you going? So we're flying out I mean, on Sunday. It's a Sunday, August 6th. Okay, yeah. You, best of luck to you. <laughs> you just gave know. me the full Donald Trump right there. Anytime yeah. a member of the press would ask Donald Trump, like when one of his enemies got either arrested or fired, he would shrug his shoulders. Eh, we wish him the best. Avenatti. <laughs> Remember that? Eh? Wish him the best. Wish him a lot of luck. <laughs> That's kind of where we're at with the airlines. But if anybody's been to Myrtle Beach, maybe I'm the last person that's ever been there. Uh, hit me up 
let me know some fun places to go bars restaurants those types of deals again i'm normally a florida man but uh we got a solid deal got an awesome suite right there on the water uh, open up the curtains right you on. see the water you can that's, sit on the balcony a killer graduation present man yeah man so uh hit us up at hammer and nigel if you've got some suggestions it's the hammer and nigel show the hammer and nigel show Hello, my name is Nigel, Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DryBugler.com hotline. Kind of digging the De La Soul in the background right now, but we've had a busy, busy news week, and nobody better to break that down than our friend Tommy Piggott. He's the RNC Rapid Response Director. You can see some of his work at RNC Research. Tommy, we've got a lot of places we could begin here, but let's start with this document that old man Grassley, Chuck Grassley, dropped yesterday. We've known about it for a long time. We finally got a look at it yesterday, and it's all there. The Biden bribery information. Curious as to your thoughts. Well, it's just another piece of evidence showing the scale of this influence peddling scheme, uh, showing uh, Joe Biden's, at least at the very least, knowledge of it. Though this document alleges Joe Biden's involvement, which is incredibly concerning. It also raises questions about how much this document was investigated. Democrats are already out there trying to downplay the document as if it wasn't uh, relevant or as if it was somehow disproven. But there's been no evidence that this has been thoroughly investigated and vetted by the FBI. We don't know if they ignored it completely. And this human source, which was detailed in this FBI report, is a highly credible source, according to the FBI. Uh, which has been used multiple times. So if anything, this especially warrants investigation and, and is in line with all the other evidence that indicates a really troubling story when it comes to the Biden family influence peddling scheme. And I'm just wondering, Tommy, if the press would cover this the same way if this was Don Jr. and uh, Trump Sr. Uh, except, you know, saying they're going to withhold a billion dollars in loan guarantees from Ukraine unless the prosecutor was fired. Would it be the same uh, if, you know, the Biden family, if, if Trump scored millions of dollars in deals with China? Um, it's it's really concerning to me that we're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine and we're not tracking the money. And who knows how much of that money is getting lost due to bribery and corruption over there. This would be a different story if it was Donald Trump and his family. Well, 100 percent it would be. And we know that from the Durham report where the FBI basically invented reasons to go after President Trump and Absolutely. the media ran with it for years. I mean, the, the distinction and the difference is so stark. And it's not just President Trump. You see uh, members of the left and the media going after everyday parents, practically making up uh, issues to go after parents who are just concerned about their children's education. I mean, the difference is very stark. The double standard is incredibly stark. I think it's obvious to everybody. I mean, and the fact that the media continues to say there's no evidence that Joe Biden was involved in this. It's ludicrous. There's literally almost every single type of evidence you can imagine indicating that Joe Biden was involved in this. Voicemails, photographs, visitors' logs, uh, bank records showing every member of the Biden family, practically something like 12 members of the Biden family, involved in this influence peddling scheme or at least receiving money from it. The scale of this is massive. The number of countries are massive. 
And it's also showing how stark they go after Trump and, uh, and his children uh, for having a legitimate business when there's been absolutely no legitimate business that's been pointed out with the Biden family influence peddling scheme. None. What do the Democrats think they did to receive this money? I haven't heard a single Democrat come out and say, this is what the Bidens provided. This is the service they gave that warranted this money. The only service I could possibly think of is their connection to Joe Biden, and that should worry everybody. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but there's video. We've all seen the video of Joe Biden on that panel. He's yucking it up, playing grab ass with all of his crooked friends, and he's bragging about how that prosecutor in Ukraine was fired. But yet, that doesn't get any coverage at all. But Donald Trump has this audio recording, and Caitlin Collins plays it on CNN, and now everybody's throwing parades because this is going to be the thing that's going to put Donald Trump behind bars. Like, the double standard here, it's it's frustrating. If you're going to tell me that Donald Trump broke the law, we can have that conversation. But you can't look at people that actually understand what's going on and say that Joe Biden didn't. Well, it's also, Biden's the current president of the United States of America. The person that the media should be holding accountable right now is Joe Biden to make sure that he's not compromised, to make sure that he's not doing things that are inappropriate with taxpayer money. That is what the media should be doing, not acting as a de facto opposition party to the Republican Party, not acting as a de facto extension of the Democrat Party's political machine. But that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're not actually acting like a media that's interested in getting to the bottom of what's happening in the Biden White House. And we know that's the case because time and time again, House Republicans have come out and showed evidence of censorship. They've showed evidence of collusion between the Biden administration and social media companies. They showed evidence related to Biden, Inc. Time and time again, the media takes Biden's word for it. There's absolutely no digging. And then call it five months later, we realize House Republicans were right. The media was wrong, and the media shouldn't be taking Biden's word at face value. Biden has shown he cannot be trusted on this issue. There's practically not a single lie he hasn't told. He's lied again and again. And I don't like saying that because he's the president, but unfortunately he, he has. He's not told the truth on this issue, and the media should be focused on holding the president accountable, not acting as an extension of the DNC. Chatting with Tommy Piggott, Rapid Response Director for the RNC. Tommy, we've had some pretty interesting hearings on Capitol Hill this week. Everything from IRS whistleblowers to censorship hearings where, believe it or not, they actually tried to censor somebody in the censorship (laughs) hearing. Uh, Take me through what was important for you this past week. Well, I think the hugely important things, well, both of those hearings were were hugely important. One of the big takeaways I took from the hearing on censorship was just how terrible, once again, it was that the Hunter Biden laptop was censored. Just how much people knew at the time that it was not this Russian disinformation ploy. But again, they took the Biden campaign's word for it didn't do any evidence themselves, didn't do any investigation themselves. Uh, They just took the Biden campaign's word for it and violated one of the most fundamental rights we have as Americans, our freedom to speech, censored that information right before an election. I mean, it really was astonishing that that level of coordination almost between these different elements like the media, law enforcement and the Biden campaign. It really was frightening that they were able to do that. And I think it should never happen again. The American people deserve that information. And I think the second thing is, these whistleblowers showed once again how credible they are. I mean, we're talking about whistleblowers that came to Congress, testified, uh, alleging that this political interference by Biden's DOJ to protect Hunter Biden and the Biden family. 
They're under oath. They're saying this publicly. They have emails to back up what they're claiming. It's the Biden DOJ that's changing their story, the Biden DOJ that's refusing to give this information, trying to hide the information. And right now, if you're looking as an objective observer, it's the whistleblowers that are credible right now, not Biden's DOJ. And that's incredibly troubling. We shouldn't have this lack of faith in our Justice Department, but we have that lack of faith because Biden is politicizing it so uh, so incredibly. You know what I found really what makes them credible the, in terms of the IRS whistleblowers? The the guy uh, was it Ziegler Ziegler Ziegler, um, you know, people were making some sort of big deal that he is gay and that he's a Democrat, but he goes out there and testifies and looks everybody in the face and says, "That should not make me more credible than this person sitting next to me here. Me being gay, me being a Democrat doesn't have anything to do with my testimony. And I would hope if you were a Democrat in my position uh, that you would be doing the same thing. The things that I've seen behind the scenes are incredibly troubling. That's why I'm here today. And the fact that I'm gay and I'm a Democrat does not give me any more credibility than this guy. I think he was talking about Shapley uh, beside him. And I thought that made, I thought that was an incredible moment. I agree entirely. It completely uh, blew open the Democrats' narrative that somehow this is a political ploy, that somehow Republicans are are somehow behind these whistleblowers, like these absurd uh, claims and efforts to discredit these whistleblowers, when in reality, these two men are veterans of the IRS. They've handled some of the largest cases when it comes to tax fraud that the IRS has investigated. They have emails backing up from the time, contemporaneous emails backing up what they're claiming. They have all this uh, corroborating evidence, and they also lack the political motivation the Democrats are pointing out. And I think the whistleblower deserves credit for, for really standing up for what he believes is right, despite his political views. He should be applauded for that, not attacked by the Democrats. But once again, it shows the Democrats have never cared really about holding power accountable. They never really cared about making sure our institutions are, are fair, are, are, are transparent, are, are doing the right thing. They've only really cared about protecting Joe Biden and attacking Republicans. That's what they've done. That's what they did when they were in the majority. And thank goodness we have a House Republican majority now that's able to stop these, these politics from Democrats that have abused their positions and are able to get to the bottom of what's going on in these institutions and really deliver transparency and accountability for the American people. Tommy, I think you and I were, and a lot of people are in the same category here of we're tired of seeing the double standard. We're tired of seeing one side get away with everything and push a certain narrative that the media scoops up. And we're tired of seeing the Republicans sit back and take it. So what's your response as somebody who is the rapid response director for the RNC when somebody says, I want the GOP to actually do something. I want them to fight back. What's your response when someone says that? Well, two things. First of all, I think just imagine the difference if Adam Schiff right now is in the majority of the Intel Committee. If we didn't have Representative Comer, Representative Jim Jordan, Speaker McCarthy, uh, Representative Jason Smith, who were leading these committees as these Republican part of this Republican majority that are actually getting to the bottom of this. We wouldn't have the bank records. We wouldn't have the FBI form. We wouldn't have all this evidence showing or indicating this this. Uh, massive influence peddling scheme. That's Republicans fighting back. That's Republicans delivering real accountability. And not to mention the fact, in terms of policy, stopping Joe Biden's agenda right in its tracks. That only happened because Republicans right now are fighting as hard as possible. And I think the second part of that is 
the Republican Party isn't, you know, some distant back room. It's the grassroots. It's millions of people around the country that, that are every day talking to their neighbors, building that political community, electing Republicans to office to make sure that we deliver these results. And the best way to make sure that we really deliver results in a concrete fashion is to elect Senate a Senate Republican majority, and make sure Joe Biden's a one-term president and elected Republican. And for that, every single Republican needs to get involved. So if you're out there saying, why won't the GOP do something? I think that's a call to action for all of us. Make sure that we go to bankyourvote.com. Make sure we take the pledge to bank our vote. Make sure we get involved in our local communities. Get those reinforcements to Capitol Hill so it's not just one chamber, one majority leading this fight, that we can have a Senate Republican majority and a Republican president deliver real results, deliver real accountability. Is changing the Senate really the difference between having these hearings where we get a lot of one-liners, we get a lot of zingers, we get a lot of heat being thrown, but nobody ever gets put into jail or nobody ever loses a job? It seems like, you know, big tech, we had a hearing, they got away with it. We had a hearing about the IRS whistleblowers. Well, as of right now, everybody's getting away with it. Is changing the Senate going to be the difference in that process? Well, that's a major help if you just think about uh, impeachments, for example, which, you know, there's a lot of discussions going around about Merrick Garland, for example, Speaker McCarthy saying that if Merrick Garland is shown to have lied to Congress, that he will begin impeachment inquiries. Uh, that's something that he said. Though, obviously, if there's Democrats in the Senate that are, are more determined to protect Merrick Garland than actually deliver accountability in that scenario, uh, then we wouldn't end up actually removing Merrick Garland from office. So that Senate is incredibly important, but not to mention also the leverage that it adds, making sure that it's not just the House, one chamber of Congress, but making sure it's both a united Congress, both chambers pushing for this, pushing for accountability, pushing for transparency, both holding hearings, both passing legislation, both holding uh, the president's feet to the fire if it's a Democrat. But if obviously if we have a Republican president, then working with a Republican president to get things done. So really flipping and having both chambers of Congress is incredibly important. But I don't want to downplay the fact that the House GOP is really delivering results for the American people right now and delivering a ton of information that we would never have if Adam Schiff was in charge of the intelligence community right now. He's the Rapid Response Director for the RNC. Check out some of his work on Twitter at RNC Research. Tommy Piggott. Tommy, we'll talk next week. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Nigel show. Uh, yeah, big movie weekend. Big box office weekend. Uh, is that the? Is that a Barbie? Is that a song about Barbies? What was that? That's Aqua that Barbie Girl. You didn't know that? No, I had no clue. That's I mean, like I, years ago, but it's like a popular song. You didn't play that when you were jocking the hits with Radio Now? Uh, no, no, uh-uh. no. But uh, I, my daughter and. Uh, my wife is taking my daughter to see Barbie this weekend, and she's like, come on, come with us. Do you want to go? And uh, I was like, you guys have fun. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we, I could make it a, a, a thing where they go to see Barbie, and I go see Oppenheimer. There you go. Like have your own Barbenheimer weekend. Uh, Oppenheimer, of course, Christopher Nolan movie. I'll see anything he does. He did Inception. He did, you know, the Dark Knight movies, Batman movies. Um, and Oppenheimer is about the guy, the dude that he's like the father of the atomic bomb, right? Basically, um, and his role in the Manhattan Project. Can't wait to see that. I'm uh, waiting for the sequel of Oppenheimer. Actually, I'm gonna. <laughs> We're not gonna be around to watch that. Oppenheimer two. This is where he takes his bomb making abilities <laughs> and he teams up with me for my Fourth of July. 
uh, big extravaganza. We're going to call it Oppenhammer, and that's going to be the sequel to that. It's just really funny, though, because all, all these giant movies are coming out, and everybody's talking about this movie called The Sound of Freedom. It's an independent movie released through sort of a conservative production company. It stars Jim Caviezel. It has to do with um, child trafficking. And it's, from what I understand, a very uplifting movie at the end. It was made um, a long time ago, wasn't it, was, it? It was made a long time ago. I think Disney or somebody purchased it and just let it sit. And and then finally, it's funny because Disney's in a spiral now. They've got to sell off like a third of their company, losing hundreds of billions of dollars. And they got rid of the, the, the Sound of Freedom. It's made $100 million at the box office so far. And it only cost $14 million to make. Now, I haven't seen it. But if it's making $100 million at the movie theaters, you know it's good. It doesn't, have to, doesn't, doesn't matter that some sort of conservative production company put it out. If you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, it is Beer Sample Friday. 36 years ago today, in 1987, Guns N' Roses released their debut album, Appetite for oh, Destruction. Wow. And if you're a longtime listener to this program, you know my backstory to the song Paradise City. <laughs> you, you blew the whistle, right? <laughs> right. I once told a chick at a bar at Ball State that when I was younger, I won an MTV contest, and I got to blow the whistle <laughs> in the song Paradise City. <laughs> <laughs> that was me. I uh, told this chick at the bar that, trying to impress her, because she had a Guns N' Roses t-shirt on. How'd it work? Is that impressive? I got her number. Hey, all right. It didn't lead anywhere, but I feel like it was a success. Um, so, tell me what you think about these. In honor of Guns N' Roses, a lot of people have covered their songs over the years. Paradise City, one of my favorites on that album. We're going to play a little bit of Carrie Underwood doing that okay. and Zach Brown Band. You tell me which cover you All like right. the best. I do, too. I do, too. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Hello. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We have some very interesting court issues taking place on a Friday. So let's crank up some legal stuff. Crank it up. Crime. Punishment. Judges. Legal stuff. Federal judge earlier today stating that the Donald Trump trial will begin in May of 2024. This is the one from special counsel Jack Smith. The U.S. district judge said that the trial could begin as early as May 20th. A pre-trial hearing in that case will be held on May 14th. Mm. So this is right in the heart, like the home stretch of the presidential run, May of 2024. The prosecution wanted to start the trial in December. Trump's lawyers wanted to start the trial after the 2024 election. So I guess this is some sort of compromise from the judge. 
Well, the Trump team isn't really happy because keep in mind, the Indiana primary, which is one of the later primaries, is in May. So there are still state primaries going on. You're just a couple of months away from the big election day. And Donald Trump will be having his trial with special counsel Jack Smith uh, coming up in May of 2024. When is when is Hunter Biden's trial? When is Joe Biden's Hold trial? Hold on, let me... Brother? Oh, it says right here, when hell freezes over. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't get that in there. Hell freezes that, that, over. That, that FBI document from a confidential source, who, 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 by the way, that confidential source was highly trusted and credible by the FBI. This this document that, that outlines everything that we knew about the Biden crime family, including bribes for access and favor and peddling and influence peddling with the Biden family when he was vice president is just unbelievable to me. And nobody's talking about it unless it's their attempt to discredit it somehow. Now, if you are somebody that feels like the Trump campaign is shaking in their boots and they're scared, Maybe they are, but that's not the face they're putting on publicly. Did you see the video? It was only like nine or ten seconds that Trump put on Truth Social. Did you see that? Oh yeah, is it was it him on the phone? And it was like his logo or something, right? Yeah. And he drops the f bomb. Right. So it's got this yeah, yeah, yeah. ominous, scary music behind it, and it's got the Trump logo, 2024 campaign logo, and we're going to play it for you. It's real short. It's only like nine seconds, but you hear audio of Donald Trump, like on the phone doing an interview or something, quote, if you F around with us, if you do something bad to us, we're going to do things that you have never seen been before. It oh. almost sounds like a threat. Here, take a listen. You fuck around with us. If you do something bad to us, we are going to do things to you that have never been done before. And that was it. Hmm. What what could be done that hasn't done been done before? Prosecute a Biden? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The left is saying that sounds like a threat. He's making threats. This is a new January 6th. It's a dog whistle. It's a cold action. Oh, speaking of January 6th, there's probably an indictment coming down the pike for Donald Trump and January 6th from the same prosecutor as well. And we haven't even got to the Georgia story yet. The fine folks in Georgia are whipping up something nice to uh, throw at Donald Trump as well. But, yeah, really short, really brief, kind of dark, ominous nine-second video on Truth Social. If you F around with us, if you do something bad to us, we're going to do things to you that have never been done before. Okay. We're going to strip Jack Smith down naked and lock him in a... Lock him in a stable with a horse. <laughs> Something that's never been done before. <laughs> that we know of. Can't rule anything out. Um, where are we at with this? New York City, the local government of New York City has announced they're going to pay a $20 million settlement to the George Floyd protesters. Um, nah, protesters is the wrong word. The rioters, they're they're paying out money to the rioters, quote, up to 1,300 people who were either arrested and or subject to force by the NYPD. So they're paying money out to people that were incarcerated because of their behavior in New York City. 
during the riots. And the thing that gets me, quote, were arrested and or subject to force. Subject. So 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 there are people that weren't arrested but are saying they were subject to force. Like how do you differentiate? How do you find out how those who those who the hell those people were? So 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 again, r- remember what I'm saying here. They're paying about ten thousand dollars each to thirteen hundred and eighty people who were arrested for the George Floyd riots. Or subject to arrest. Or subject to arrest. And we don't know how arrested, uh, you know, I I don't understand how we know if you weren't arrested, how are you subject to force? It doesn't make any sense to me. So the rioters were victims here. Yes. So if you threw a brick through a window and you were arrested by police, you are entitled to compensation. Uh, it's the new Camp Lejeune commercial that everybody saw like every 30 <laughs> seconds during the summertime. This is it. And it's it's ridiculous because it's, it's some sort of class action lawsuit by these communists that call themselves the National Lawyers Group, which I, I read a piece in The New York Times about this group. They even referred to them as, quote, left leaning lawyers. Uh, I got news for everybody. The rioters weren't the victims in the George Floyd riots. The police were the victims. Business owners were a victim of those riots. Business owners, innocent bystanders like Chris Beatty were victims. Where's, Where's Beatty's money? Well, they're suing the city of Indianapolis. Yeah. They're at least trying to take they deserve, the city to the they, they cleaners. Deserve, they deserve every amount of money they're asking for. But instead, you have... The <laughs> this is the world we're living in, man. The rioters are the victims here, and they deserve compensation. Well, that's uh, happened here. Drayshawn Reed's family got a settlement from the city of Indianapolis. Drayshawn Reed, who led police on a dangerous chase through the streets of Indianapolis while live streaming with a weapon, gets out, fires, turns around and sees law enforcement, and law enforcement protecting their own lives fire back, kill Drayshawn Reed. This guy was trying to kill a police officer, and his family is going to get rewarded by the city of Indianapolis. Crime pays. It's so ridiculous. And this type of thing happens in the city like ridiculous things paying off Drayshawn Reed paying off the family of Aaron Bailey and now boss Hogsett he's announced that the city of Indianapolis along with some other cities they're part of this big national lawsuit against Kia and Hyundai because Kias and Hyundais they are the most stolen vehicles across the country vehicle thefts are up 34 percent over the country and Kias and Hyundais, they're the most stolen. And there was some TikTok challenge where somebody made a video showing how easy it was to steal those cars. Oh, yeah, I remember that. So now Boss Hogsett jumps in and says, it's the car's fault for being stolen in the city of Indianapolis. (laughs) It's the car's fault. Think of it like that. That it's being stolen. Now, I know I've been beating up Jefferson Shreve for the better portion of over a week now. I get that. But let's not forget, even though Jefferson Shreve is a total phony. You're a phony. You're a big fat phony. <laughs> even though Jefferson Shreve is a total rhino. That back there is not real. <laughs> don't forget the fact that Boss Hogshead is a total turd. I mean, this guy is a total waste of space. And I hate 
hate the fact that our city's election has come down to a rhino and a wino. <laughs> I just I see what you did there. Allegedly. Ever and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll, baby. Hammer, how do we play this? Is anything? I'll run some stories by you. You break down all of the information and you give us the verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? A handful of videos on your favorite app, TikTok. Oh, boy. Now show people consuming borax, a white powder used as a laundry additive. I'm sorry? Pesticide. It's used to unclog drains and more. People are saying that it helps with pain, arthritis, inflammation. But surprise, surprise, it can actually be very dangerous. I actually did research. I went into the primary literature and I read papers that both talked about some potential benefits, but also way more literature talking about how boron and specifically borate compounds like sodium tetraborate, a.k.a. borax, is actually really not good for you. You are actively poisoning. Kidding. If a product isn't made for people to consume it, don't consume it. No, this is nothing. And I remember a time when people were consuming ivermectin. (laughs) Remember when Joe Rogan took ivermectin when he had COVID and he was the worst person on the planet? Oh, you're taking horse paste. This is like some sort of horse pit. And now you turn around and people are being celebrated and uplifted and promoted on TikTok for consuming a, a powder that's used as a laundry additive. <laughs> well, they needed I, something to chase the Tide Pods. <laughs> they needed right. a dessert. Come I on. Just, I remember a time when people, people were excoriated on Twitter for... You know, thinking that ivermectin was the it was was going to help with their symptoms of COVID, and for some people it may have worked. Ivermectin's been around a long time, but you were uh, a conspiracy theorist. You were uh, just an anti-science. You were a science denier. So a lot of scientists now, on Twitter back then, and 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 now all of a sudden you have people going viral for eating poison on TikTok, <laughs> and it's somehow supposed to be virtuous that these people, like, it's somehow supposed to be popular. Like, they're being promoted. You know the but, people but, in China that run TikTok are like, I can't believe they're doing it. We <laughs> well, don't have to but, invade but, but, the United States. These morons are going to kill themselves. But you know what? They, they, they only let kids in China. The people that use TikTok in China only see videos about education and history and um, math and stuff like that. They don't see the ones eating type. They don't let that (laughs) stuff through. They don't let that stuff through. So TikTok is letting, I mean, you were canceled. You weren't allowed to say ivermectin. You weren't allowed to go on social media and talk about ivermectin during COVID. But yet TikTok let these videos go through left and right. How did Donald Trump say it again, Nigel? Ivermectin! What about... (laughs) Rendisivir! Thank you. Hydroxychloroquine! Dexamethasone! Rendisivir! Is this anything? (laughs) NFL owners have approved the sale of the... Washington Commanders, a group of new owners is led by billionaire Josh Harris, who also owns the New Jersey Devils hockey team. The Devils! 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 Here's Josh's first statement about his new squad. 
This is a new era for Washington football, and everyone wants to uh, be with a team that's winning, uh, and uh, and so that's our job is to create that again. It's important as the uh, owner of a football team of a club to set that example where uh, people right, feel I'm like I'm not doing this right guy anymore. I'm bored. I, I think Dan Snyder's tenure. Somebody sent me these stats. Um, Dan Snyder's tenure as owner of the Washington Redskins, uh, 24 years, uh, 386 games, a 164 and 220 record. Ooh, <laughs> ooh! Ten different coaches, six playoff berths, four division titles, four federal investigations. Oh no! Two NFL investigations. Yikes! Three team names. That's right. Here's, I forgot they were the Washington football team for a little while. Yeah, the skins, the football team, and now what? It's the generals? The commanders. The commanders, yeah. And here we go. Uh, starting quarterbacks in Dan Snyder's tenure for 24 years. 27 different starting quarterbacks. In how many years? 24. Ooh. <laughs> That's a bad... And how many all pros? Yeah, just take a wild guess. In Dan Snyder's tenure as the owner of the Washington Redskins. How many all pros? How many people made it to the Pro Bowl? Ah. Give me like an over like a I'm going to say 21. 2. Oh no. <laughs> no. That's it. Uh, a guard Brandon Scherf and then um uh, looks like a safety Jeremy Reeves. That's it. According to this according to what I'm looking at here, all pros. Was that first team, I guess, or at all? I mean, yeah, I don't know. wow, <laughs> wow, that's a bad football team. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking. This is again. This is you know something my buddy sent me. I think I sent it to you and our bosses today. Now, do it's, they get a pass on the quarterback situation because they drafted RG three, and he was the I think offensive rookie of the year that year, but blew out his knee. Like either in the playoff game or right before yeah, it, know. and he was never the same after that. And I don't know if Sean Taylor, that awesome defensive back that was with them, was before his time or not. But he was a badass. But then he got shot and killed. Well, no, that was during Dan Snyder's time. Okay, yeah, because I'm surprised he wasn't an All Pro because he was as good as it gets. But uh, man, that's a bad team. But here we are in Indianapolis. Look at our quarterbacks. <laughs> you know, since Andrew Luck retired, we're going down a long list of uh, washed up dudes here. Like, there was a lot of Colts fans on Twitter laughing at the Titans for signing washed-up wide receivers. But then you think about who we've trotted out there at quarterback the last couple of years, and maybe we need to shut the hell up. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. So it's been about four months since a trans monster shot and killed kids at a Nashville Christian school. They told us a manifesto exists, but we haven't seen it yet, Hammer. The Tranifesto, as it's being called. Um, and it seems like an awful lot of these mass shootings involved very disturbed, confused trans individuals as of late. But I want to know specifically here in Nashville exactly what's going on and exactly what this manifesto says. And we have nothing. And why hasn't it been made public yet? I know it's an ongoing investigation, but 
how much investigating needs to be done here if you've got this manifesto. Now, this is a statement from the Nashville Police Department, who, first of all, if you remember that body cam video that they released of them running into the school, running into danger, and killing this lunatic, they did phenomenal work. It was incredible footage. It was the complete opposite of uh, Parkland. Yes. Complete opposite of what you saw in Texas and a number of other places. But this is a statement from the Nashville Police Department on the manifesto. Quote, we've put all of the information we have on our website and Twitter. It's currently caught up in the court system. So the manifesto is caught up in the court system. And I think we all know why. Because this crazy, deranged leftist probably has very anti-Christian views, took it out on this Christian school, killed children, And the sweet political left is doing everything they can to try to keep this information from coming out. And you know, if this was some sort of what they would probably describe as a uh, with somebody, if if this was some right wing MAGA hat wearing lunatic, a white supremacist, a, a white supremacist, we'd know right away exactly what is going on, what the ideology was, what the motivation was, and now we four months later. Nobody knows anything, and the families deserve answers. And I think a fair conversation has to happen in this country about what these hormones, these transition hormones, are doing to somebody's mental psyche. Does it make somebody snap and want to run into a Christian school and shoot innocent grade school children? Michael Patrick Leahy, he's the editor-in-chief of the Paper of Record in Nashville, the Tennessee Star. He's filed a federal lawsuit to release the manifesto. I think there is a lot of anger on the left here that they don't want this released. We filed a lawsuit in federal court. We're represented uh, by the Wisconsin Institute of Law and Liberty against the FBI. They have the manifesto. And then we also filed uh, a case in state court where we're represented by America First Legal. Um, in the state court, uh, the number of uh, litigants uh, who don't want this out there is huge, and it's very surprising. In uh, federal court, we just filed uh, for summary judgment to release the manifesto, uh, and the judge there, an Obama appointee, Alita Trauger, is actually a pretty good judge in terms of tamping down uh, the federal government, and we think there's a reasonable chance we'll get that released sometime in August. Sometime in August. I'm glad somebody's doing something to try to figure out what happened and what's going on and what the motivation was behind this. But at this point, don't you think the folks that have tried to cover this up for so long have already built up some sort of alibi, some sort of excuse that they will spoon feed MSNBC, spoon feed CNN. They'll run for it and never be held accountable for this heinous action and the keeping of information. You know, the presenting of information that's gone out to the public here. No one's going to be held accountable for this. Kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Tommy Piggott a little bit earlier. These hearings, the Republicans are doing are great. I love hearing from the whistleblowers and Emma Jo Morris and you know yes. RFK Jr. and all these things. Absolutely. Love hearing yeah. about it, but nobody so far is being held accountable. But you can't... Here's the thing with these IRS whistleblowers. I mean, these subcommittees the the these house oversight committees they can't prosecute somebody they have to turn it over to 
The Department, Department of, of Justice. Justice. Who runs the Department of Justice? Wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. And Merrick Garland. So I wouldn't expect anything anytime soon to happen to come from these these hearings. So are people still upset about this Jason Aldean song? I know there's a lot of radio stations around the country that have pulled the song from really? their stations. Uh, CMT, the country music video channel, they've pulled Jason Aldean's song from their rotation. You know, there have been way worse things that have played. I mean, every rap song that I grew up with from the late 80s to early 90s, the era where rappers were actually shooting and killing each other, uh, seems like it's been way worse the era, than this. The era that rappers were rapping about killing cops. Yes. Ice-T and Body Count had an album, Cop Killer. Seems like that's way worse than this, but people are still losing their minds. Yeah, but, they, uh, but those... Like, I'll be in the car with my daughter, and she's nine years old, and she wants me to change it to the whatever the kiddie station is, 99 and a half. They play all, those, all that kid music. Um, and, like, I hear some stuff on there, and I'm like, well, I've got to change a channel. Talking about the D. I, I, like, I can't even describe the songs. <laughs> I, I don't even know what they are. You know, I, I mean, you probably play them at, you used to play them at weddings when you used to be a, sure. a wedding DJ. It's all fun and games till somebody requests a song so, from Cardi B. Yeah, exactly. The the wet P. <laughs> Is that, did they play that on the radio? Could you even play that on the radio? Did there was a clean a version. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, that's all fine and good on the kitty club stations, right? You can play all the disgusting, all the uh, all the censored versions, but Jason Aldean, right, saying, "Hey, you can't do this in our town." When he's talking about rioting and spitting in cops' faces and stuff like that, it's really genius. I mean, this this album that he's going to release is number one. Is going to be number one. That song was number one on iTunes already, that individual song, which it came out in May. This wasn't something he just dropped this past week. It wasn't until that horrible winch from Mom's Demand Action started complaining about it, and then it picked up momentum and steam. So it's it's try this, try that in our town? Or try something? that in a small town. Try that in a small town, basically talking about riots. Right. And right. I did a thing with our news partners, oh, Wish yeah. TV. Did I see you like for two seconds? Yeah. Like, so <laughs> they were, they reached out to me and said, hey, we want to get your thoughts and what your listeners are saying about this Jason Aldean song. I said, great. Uh, it was a young lady named Danielle that was the reporter. Yeah. So I did a Zoom hit with her after the show last night, probably eight to 10 minutes, of which maybe 20 seconds was used. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was real quick. I barely even kind of noticed it. When I was, because it was on in the background, I go, oh wait, because you and I do a hit with Wish TV uh, during uh, All Indiana, right? Right, right. Every single day, yeah, every day. And uh, this was but on this the was news, different. the ten o'clock news. And the people that were really upset with Jason Aldean, they got plenty of time. Boy, they laid out a case of why they're offended and freaked out. And now let's go to local conservative radio host Jason Hammer. It's a picture of me smiling, and then they cut away. <laughs> I don't think they wanted to hear the uh, the other side, per se, but uh, I, I thank them for having me on. If you're offended by this song from Jason Aldean, you are either complicit with the riots that happened in 2020, the Summer of Love, you think they are justified, 
and or you participated in them. Right. Got news for you. And I'm wondering how many people who went to the Snoop Dogg concert last night (laughs) here in Indy are upset with Jason Aldean's video. Because I remember... Snoop Dogg having a video where Donald Trump was assassinated. Yes. He had a depiction of Donald Trump that shot him in the head. Yep. Yes. They shot and killed Donald Trump. But yet they're saying that this video that Jason Aldean has done, he filmed it at a place where there was a lynching almost 100 years ago. Listen, I don't know if that's true or not. That was the story from some Associated Press reporter. I don't know if they've been fact-checked or not. But it's also the same place where... Hollywood films a lot of stuff at this courthouse in Nashville. It was the setting for some cheesy Christmas movie that Mario Lopez did on yeah, one of those channels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was featured in the Hannah Montana movie. So if you're upset about the location that Jason Aldean filmed his video in, you could also send angry letters to AC Slater and Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Now, speaking of uh, music, the Eagles have added a second Indianapolis show on their farewell tour. We gave away a bunch of tickets a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the, uh, okay, so October 9th, the Eagles had scheduled theirs. Let me, let me just get in my calendar. The Eagles! The Eagles are better than the Eagles! See, October 9th's a Monday. God. Ugh. These bands, the nerve of these bands scheduling concerts on a Monday. (laughs) I remember when bands always played on Thursday, Fridays, and Saturdays. I thought we were going to get a Greta. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, But apparently it was selling so well that they added another date. So uh, It's selling so well uh, they're going to have another farewell uh, tour. Yeah, October 10th. (laughs) 9th and 10th now here in Indianapolis. Uh, the e- and I would love to go. I'll be honest with you. I mean, look, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to pretend. And like, I would have loved to see Glenn Fry live in my lifetime. He, of course, passed away several years ago. Um, there's only one original member left. I believe Don, it's Henley. Don, Don Henley's the only original. I mean, a lot of these guys have been like Timothy B. Schmidt and and the other guys have been been there for a long, long time. But the but original Henley, OGs, yes, is is the original guy. So. So and they're all pretty old, but they still got it, man. So uh, the I think it's going to be an older crowd at Gamebridge, and here is a tribute, ladies and gentlemen, right now a tribute, a brand new tribute to the Eagles coming to the Fieldhouse October 9th. Added another show on the tenth from Hammer and Nigel Records. Joe Walsh and Don Henley and Timothy B. Schmidt. She said. <laughs> I want to go see the Eagles so I can feel just like a kid. And then she held up her lighter. And I said, these days you hold up your phone. <laughs> and then we went and put on our Depends because we're just getting old. Come on. Welcome to the hotel, Jerry. Oh, gee, oh, come on. <laughs> Where the food you saw, Where the food you saw, we still want to rock. It's going to be a great show. Plenty of drugs at the hotel geriatric. <laughs> Damn right. Not to get you high. Not to get you high. But just to stay alive. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. Everybody's working for the to the Hammer and Nigel Show. We have an incredible hour of radio coming up. 
next. Abdul is going to pop in here a little bit after 5 o'clock to talk about what's going on with this mayoral race here in Indianapolis. He was a part of it for a little while. Yeah, uh, he was uh, Yeah, in the primary. He uh, Jeff, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done calling him Jefferson. Can I just call him Jeff? Sure. Jeff Shree. I'm not even going to finish. Jeff Shree, the guy that... Is, uh, I'll also take Rhino McGee. <laughs> Rhino <laughs> McGee. Uh, his decision to mirror Hogsett's gun policy, uh, the gun grab, which will never happen anyway in this county. Um, Abdul will break that down. And then coming up at 530, one of the best, um, one of my favorite writers at Breitbart, John Nolte. Is um, writes about a bunch of different stuff, obviously, but one of his expertise. He's a huge movie buff, and he's he's been talking about the Sound of Freedom, this movie, this independent movie that paid a hundred million dollars at the box office. The second week uh, that Indiana Jones was in theaters, Sound of Freedom beat Indiana Jones in terms of box office sales. Fourteen now, million dollar budget compared to yeah. like what? Four hundred million dollars. Right, right, right. Now, I mean, Indiana Jones ticket for ticket has sold more than The Sound of Freedom, but it's this movie about anti—it's an anti-child trafficking movie that has made a bunch of money. So, uh, a very killer hour of radio coming up here on the show. And it's Beer Sample Friday. Oh yeah! How did I? For, how could I have forgotten that? Yeah, we got a Jeez. lot of fun coming up. So make sure you keep your radios right here. Uh, Dateline, Oklahoma. What's that from? I have no idea. Come on. What was that? Come on. Steve Martin. Oh, crap. Scoundrels. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Man, good pull. Great, great reference right there. Repret the monkey boy. Dateline, Oklahoma. A huge America-themed amusement park is coming in 2026. It's going to be called American Heartland Theme Park and Resort. Oh, boy. This is going to cause some protests. So, the way the theme park works is it's inspired by different parts of the country. And they're going to have like a hotel, places to eat, big places to park. If you want to drive your RV, you can park it right there. Now... The entrance will have this big, huge map of the United States on the ground with the big American flag. And once you're inside, it's going to have different lands, just like Disney does. Cool. So could you imagine what it's like going to this place in Oklahoma and going to the Alabama portion of the theme park. Interesting. So as soon as you walk into Alabama land, I'm hoping they have audio of Nick Saban yelling at you and your kids. All right, so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to, so quit asking. There's like an AI Nick Saban just giving you crap every step of the way. So imagine you're in Alabama land and you have questions about valet parking or maybe a vending machine took your money. Maybe the ATM machine isn't working. And again, AI Nick Saban's there to assist you. It's unreleased. We're reading you. Alabama <laughs> land's going to be a blast. As a matter of fact, I'm being told they already have the official Miss Alabama land princess lined up. From the state that has more national championships in football than most men have teeth in their mouths. I'm Daisy Sue Robinson from Alabama. Roll Tide. 
Roll Tide Daisy Sue. I think this is going to be a fun amusement park. Let's go. Alabama Let's land, uh, Kentucky land. If you want to feel better about yourself and your health, visit those two lands, walk out of that joint, and you will feel like a million bucks. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's Jason Hammer is here, and Hammer, I'm going to have to let you do the introductions uh, for our next guest, because I really don't recognize this guy sitting next to me. So He's you- lost a ton of weight. He shaved off his facial hair. My wife thinks I'm cheating on Oh, her. it's Abdul! Abdul Hakeem Shabazz is back, ladies and gentlemen. Always good to be black. I'm sorry, always good to be back. Did, was that a Freudian slip there, or was no, that No, I did that on purpose. <laughs> All right, so Abdul, we've been talking a lot. I think a lot of people have been talking a lot about this mayor's race of Indianapolis. There's a mayor's race in Indianapolis? No. Public safety is an issue. Gun control is an issue. I hadn't heard. <laughs> you once had your hat in the ring to be the mayor of Indianapolis. And from what I've been told, Abdul, a lot of people who decided to vote for the other guy are wishing they would have voted for you. Before we get into anything policy related with Shreve, does that make you feel good or do you care? Um, I've kind of moved on. I mean, I, it, it is what it is, but hey, the voters made a decision, good or bad. Now the voters got to live with their decisions. So the other day, I said that I can't in good conscience vote for either one of these guys, Joe Hogsett or Jefferson Shreve. So I'm toying with the idea of writing you <laughs> in as the mayor. So kind of like when you're a dude, you have to ask permission of the uh, soon-to-be bride's father. You know, you have to get the blessing. Is it okay if people like myself and me write you in for the mayor? I've never, ever uh, told people who to vote for. I always uh, sort of just you know, been out there. My thing is this: uh, under Indiana law, this Indiana has what's called a sore loser law, which means if you run for an office and you lose the primary, you cannot run for that office again in the general election under another political party. So if you're a D, you lost. You can't run as an R, vice versa, libertarian, et cetera, et cetera. So. I'm flattered, but it probably wouldn't do you any good. Hammer, again, maybe just briefly reset why you were so upset with Shreve. And I'd love to get Abdul's take on this political blunder that's happening with his campaign. So, Jefferson Shreve rolled out his public safety plan. And there are some good things in it. I'm not going to lie. But the thing that I can't get over is how he basically blames people like me, law-abiding citizens who believe in the Second Amendment, people who constantly Constitutional carry, people who might have an AR-15, he blames them for the crime in Indianapolis. And anybody that's been here, visits here, works here, knows that's the furthest thing from the truth. So that rubs me the wrong way, and I don't want to vote for either one of these guys. I'm curious as to your thoughts. Well, here, here was my thing, and I understand, I just wrote a column about this up at IndyPolitics.org. You guys take a look at it. I call it a uh, gun control free zone. Talk about the Indiana General uh, Assembly. Uh, in a nutshell, I understand uh, you know, guns are an issue in Marion County, particularly particularly illegally possessed guns, particularly illegally possessed weapons. But for me, uh, both Jefferson's program and, uh, for that matter, Joe Hawks' program, I said the focus should have been on the criminal, not necessarily law-abiding citizens. Because if you're going to make somebody get a permit to, to carry a weapon, if you're going to have somebody, you're going to ban AR-15s or 17s, or whatever the hell that number is, if you're going to say, hey, you got to be at least uh, 21 years old to buy a gun, those are all things that law-abiding citizens 
it, it wouldn't it wouldn't affect criminals because criminals right. a, an 18 year old who's going to go buy an AR15 to go commit a crime isn't going to go to the gun store right he's going to go to an alley somewhere he wasn't waiting for the law to change right. you know for him to commit a heinous act right or ask the legislature for permission so for me the focus should have been had had I been the, the the nominee my focus would have been on the people who are illegally possessing weapons not law abiding citizens how do you do that and you do it in, you do a couple of ways one you increase the penalties for people who use guns in a crime. Number two, you, you close that revolving door at the jail so someone who's got a previous gun charge isn't back out on the street you know, in 10, 15 so minutes. So the mayor has to work with the prosecutor then. That's yes. what you're telling me. Because a lot of the stuff you're talking about, and I agree with you 100%, isn't just the mayor. It falls on the prosecutor too. But there's a major disconnect. Even though they're both Democrats here, Hogsett and Mears, it feels like there's a little animosity there. A little animosity? <laughs> Let's go get cocktails sometime and I'll let you Really? Yeah, the the I, I, I would say this. Uh, the man, the county prosecutor. Imagine being too woke for Joe Hawkson. <laughs> let that sink in for a moment. Um, I, I hadn't heard that before, Abdul. So there is some some tension between the prosecutor and Hogshead. I, I would say I would I would I would I would I would characterize it as not necessarily drinking out of the same beer glass these days. Let's put okay. it that way. That's fancy talk for bad blood, right there. <laughs> well, they're bringing in the new special prosecutors, right? Well, and see, and that's part of the the mayor's plan. Actually, like was bringing in special prosecutors to work with the U.S. Attorney's Office to go after, guess what? People who illegally possess and people who illegally use guns. To me, that's where the right. focus should be. Because to... to because I, I remember going over to the legislature the other day and just sort of asking around, like, hey, what do you guys think about the mayor and Jefferson Shreve's plan? And after they stopped laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is never a good sign. Yeah, it's like, Abdul, that's not good. Uh, as, as I wrote in my column, I will be the head of the white supremacist organization here in Indianapolis before lawmakers pass gun control. Right. And that's the thing that bothers me. And I, I've mentioned this before, and I want to get your thoughts on this. That plan from Joe Hogsett was a Hail Mary from a guy who knows his poll numbers were going in the wrong direction. Even in his own party. It was a Hail Mary. He knew that was never going to become the law. He was hoping to trick stupid people who don't pay attention. But instead of his opponent going, we're going to focus on real solutions over here. We're going to go after the criminals and not the good guys. Jefferson Shreve says, by God, that's a great idea. <laughs> what, what, I, what, I, what I would have done had I been Jefferson is, first of all, I would have, talked, I would have uh, at least spoken to, and he, and he may have done this, uh, spoken to some of the leadership over in the legislature. Like, hey, Here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you guys think the chances are of this actually passing, getting through? Particularly on the gun control issue, because gun control is very, very controversial. Um, and, I, and, I, and I get the, you know, if, if you're a mayor candidate, you can't always agree with your party. You got to, you know, step out on a limb, blah, blah, blah. Like I, I get that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, politics has always been about addition, not subtraction. Which means any policy you put out should be a net plus, mm. not a net minus. I don't think this moves the needle for Jefferson. I think it actually moves the needle back. But then again, you think they, this they, has been a minus for Jefferson? Yes. Now they could uh, spoke people have some polling data. I could be totally, completely wrong on this, but my, my spider sense tells me I'm probably not. If you would have been the nominee, what's your response when people say, well, Abdul would have had the same plan. Abdul's an establishment, borderline liberal, and he was going to come after guns, too. No, because remember, Bob, we put our public safety plan early on, yeah. even, even before the primary. Yeah, I remember. Began. Like, hey, here's what we want to do, and nowhere in there was go after law-abiding citizens who carry firearms. So, so what what do you think happened with the Shreve campaign and the people that are advising him? Where did this left turn out of nowhere come from? You see, that that, that I would love to find out, because unless he's got polling data out there that says most Marion County residents would support some kind of gun control measure, which I get, but, but the question is, why basically adopt 
the mayor's proposal. Why take out why take out your silver bullet? And the polling that they claim they probably have that says Marion County residents want this. Are you polling people that had no intention of voting for you in the first place? Because it goes back to that plus minus that you were talking about earlier. It's like I said, uh, I'm not sure who they polled or, or who they spoke to, but to me, that part just seemed like the 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 no the public safety director fine the mental health I, I get people behind bars yes but but the gun issue has always has always been a, a high wire act for for a Marion County Republican and I, like I said I, I don't see their logic and rationale and that gun and and basically adopting the mayor's gun control proposal because like I said once again you're just basically taking your silver bullet. Out of your holster. One more thing on this mayor's race, and then I want to talk about the governor's race, which is starting to heat up as well. I've heard people say this is one of the biggest mistakes a candidate has made since the Murdoch moment. Jefferson Shreve was a dude, and you know this, that has infinite wealth, was dumping tons of money in this campaign. A lot of people wanted him to spend that money to go after Joe Hogsett, but now he's running ads glorifying himself as a gun grabber. Where does this rank in terms of mistakes? I would say I won't say it's Richard Murdoch because Richard Murdoch was also like only like ten days before the election when he had the when he had the debate. I would say it doesn't help, and there's still time to turn things around because a day in politics is a lifetime. We still got you know August, September, October, so right. three months to go. But it doesn't help. Let's put it that way. Abdul Hakim Shabazz joining us. My, just one more thing, Hammer. What's it going to take for you to change your mind? I told Rob this the other day. I don't know. I really don't. It's kind of like the way the FCC rules on indecency and pornography. I'll know it when I see it. There's <laughs> look, not look, a look, lot I, he I, can I, say I, right now that's going to change my mind. I think this better thing is this. Eventually, your wife will speak to you again. <laughs> but probably right now, I'd probably leave that alone for just a while. Right. Again, I'm writing you in, Abdul. Whether you like it or not, I'm writing you in. I think a lot of people are going to do the same thing. My wife will not be happy. <laughs> like, I thought we done with this conversation. Like, I thought so, too. Um, all right. Let's talk about the governor's race here. Uh, we got some financials in the other day, and now we're hearing some rumors that somebody else might be getting ready to jump in the race. Uh, yes. Uh, we wrote about this in the cheat sheet uh, months ago. Uh, Brad Chambers, who's currently the head of the Indiana Economic Development Commission, those people go out, you know, bring jobs, economic, economic development to the state of Indiana. Uh, I'd hear, I was hearing for a while that Brad uh, was thinking about running for governor. Uh, he stepped down this week. Uh, his official... Uh, Resignation day is uh, be like August like fifteenth or seventh or something something along those natures. Now Rob Kendall said that's the guy that makes farmers sell their land to big business. Is that no that no guy? no 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 that is it, it is it is it is it's, here it's, we go no no he doesn't. All right, so is is Holcomb going to get behind? Him well, that's, or his see, lieutenant governor? That's also now running. see that's an interesting question because. Uh, when Holcomb was sort of didn't publicly endorse his and crowds were always kind of scratching our heads and wondering why. Because Brad may get in the race, this makes sense. Because Brad would not run for governor unless he spoke to the governor first, and the governor was aware that Chambers was going to do something. And so, why put yourself in the middle of Brad Chambers over here, Suzanne Crouch over here? So, if Holcomb doesn't support Suzanne Crouch, uh, that does not look good. Because if you're looking for those establishment uh, votes, well, see, here's the thing, though. I don't think endorsements really matter at the end of the day. I would argue from Holcomb. I would argue <laughs> that if you're going to ask who to vote for, you'd more likely listen to your to your co-host here, Nigel, than some politician. True. So people over politicians. Yeah, exactly. So, and in our in our in our bubble universe we live in, it's always kind of fun to sort of speculate. Well, 
blah, blah. It's the governor endorsing the lieutenant, the lieutenant governor, blah, blah, blah. At, at the end of the day, though, it's going to be the Republican primary voters who make the decision. Now, I think at the end of the day, if Brad Chambers does get, to, does get in the race, it, it, it impacts Suzanne Crouch and also, I would say, Eric Doden, because Eric Doden used to have that job under Mike Pence, so now he can sort of have the dueling, hey, I brought these many millions of jobs and billions of dollars, blah, blah, blah. So he takes some of the, some of that away. But also, uh, in that sort of pro-Holcomb, pro-establishment vote, he now can split that. So it'll be interesting to watch when, when all this happens. But once again, between him, Curtis Hill, you know, Mike Braun, it, it's going to be fun to watch. You should have a spirited show this weekend. When is it? Uh, the show is Saturday, 1 to 3. Abdul, thank you. Hey, thank you, my friend. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. The dingo ate your baby. And now, Hammer and Nigel proudly presents... Damn, nature, you're scary. Lions. And tigers. And bears. Oh, my. My worst fear has been realized. You make fun of me for this, Hammer, sometimes. Uh, in Berlin... It's the capital of Germany, I believe. About three and a half, three point seven five million people live in Berlin. Residents in Berlin have been warned to stay indoors after a loose lion was reported wandering around in the city. <laughs> That's not what you want wandering around the city, is no. a loose lion. One of my biggest fears, however irrational it may be, is that I'm walking down. Uh, you know, taking a walk in my neighborhood, and all of a sudden I see like a lion or a tiger or a bear, like randomly, and it just mauls me to death. And there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, it's one thing if you're wandering around in the woods, right? Or if you but, live in a state like Tennessee or sure. California where bears are prevalent. But this is <laughs> this is the biggest city in Germany, <laughs> Berlin. Somebody's gonna die. So police issued the first warning shortly after midnight last night. Uh, somebody saw what they said was a lion chasing a wild boar down the street. <laughs> wild what? boars are running around Berlin, yeah, too? that's just as bad. I mean, not as bad as a lion, but you, a wild boar can kill you, too. This isn't somewhere in the middle of Africa, <laughs> mind you. Right. This is, this is Berlin, Germany. So they launched this massive search. Hundreds of police officers, hunters, drones, helicopters, thermal imaging cameras. <laughs> like he's, you know, like he's, uh, this lion is. The fugitive. Yeah, Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. And it's still on the loose. Oh, as no. Of today. They haven't found the lion in a major city yet with all of that stuff they've used? Somebody, because it's hunting, it's prowling, it's hiding. Somebody's going to be on a jog in Berlin later on tonight and get mauled to death. My worst fear ever. Damn, nature. You're scary. All right. I will see your Berlin lion and I will raise <laughs> you two words. Cocaine sharks. <laughs> oh, no. Cocaine no. sharks may be feasting on bales of blow being found <laughs> off Florida's coast. So, if you've been watching any coverage of Shark Week on Discovery this week, they talked about this. Large bricks of cocaine are sometimes dumped at sea and picked up by drug smugglers yeah. on yeah, these yeah. boats. Well, large bricks of cocaine sometimes have washed ashore on Florida's beaches. This has been going on for decades. Well, now, a environmental scientist from the University of Florida, Tracy Fanera, he did an investigation where he created 
packages similar in size and appearance to real cocaine bales, okay. dropped them in the ocean, and then observed all of these sharks swimming right for it, <laughs> taking bites out of it, swimming off. Now, the test shows that the sharks will indeed go after Great. and ingest cocaine. They want to do more testing, but next time you go down to the beach in Florida, remember cocaine shark. Damn, nature! You scary! I, I can't, you know, I can't win on land. I gotta be worried about being attacked by an, a lion uh, if I'm wandering on the streets of Berlin and I've gotta worry about being dragged to the bottom of the gulf by a great white shark that's high on coke. You saw that video a couple weeks ago, I think it was in the panhandle by the Gulf oh, of yeah. Florida. Oh, yeah. That shark that was like right up by the beach oh, almost. sure. Yeah, terrifying. I'm wondering if that was a cocaine shark. <laughs> he was it. whacked out of his mind. <laughs> We've nicknamed that shark Hunter. All right, here. <laughs> Hunter the shark. Pro golfer uh, Victor Hovland, one of the favorites to uh, win at the Open Championship uh, this, uh, this weekend. So he was in his backswing yesterday, right? A bird flew over directly in his backswing and dropped a load on his oh. beautiful, nice golf sweater. <laughs> right in mid-backswing. Yeah, here are the yeah, a couple of the commentators. You can hear Victor and his caddy when it happens. We've had to bleep some words out. <laughs> I think just right of the flag would be a very good shot. That? I don't know. I on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, we yeah. apologize for that. A bird just dropped something on Victor Hovland. Oh, that's good luck. Can I play that? I again? think just right of the flight. You're just gonna <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, we yeah. apologize for that. A bird just. When was the last time you got uh, pooped on by a bird? Because I feel like everybody's had it happen uh, to him. Not. I probably on the beach a few years ago, maybe like a seagull. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, like I don't think. Damn, that, nature! You scared. I remember my dad got pooped on when I was a kid by a bird. It was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I just remember a kid just belly laughing, pointing at him. He was not happy. I was. Uh, this was you? real young, like driving a forklift, doing like a warehouse job. I think I was probably like 19 years old, and indoors. You know, driving the forklift, there was a bird inside <laughs> right on my leg. And I had shorts on. And oh, that's awful. Just a mess. Uh, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Uh, big weekend at the box office. You have Oppenheimer Hammer. Yes. The guy um, that invented the nuclear bomb. We have Barbie. We already have Mission Impossible. We already have Indiana Jones. There's also this other... I say the little-known movie, but it's made $100 million at the box office. It's an independent anti-child trafficking movie called Sound of Freedom. I've not seen it yet. Let's go to the drivehubler.com hotline and bring on Breitbart senior writer, one of the best, John Nolte. John, you cover a, a myriad of topics when you write for Breitbart, but you also cover the woke Hollywood film industry. Talk, talk to me a little bit, and you, you're a big movie buff, as am I. I can't wait to see pretty much all those movies I mentioned, with the exception of Barbie. Um, talk, talk to me about the sound of freedom in the the studio that put it out, and and why it's doing so well, and people really never heard of it, and it's been getting awful reviews from woke outlets like Rolling Stone. Yeah, it's uh, the sound of freedom is. It's a little $15 million movie. It was completed in 2018. Uh, 20th Century Fox acquired it for distribution. Then Disney bought Fox, 
And of course, they acquired this movie and they sat on it. <clears throat> excuse me. They sat on it for five years. Uh, they didn't want to distribute it. You know, they could have put it on a streaming service, one of the Fox streaming services on Hulu. They chose not to. Uh, finally, Angel Studios was able to get uh, the, the, uh, the the film from Disney. And and now it's it's a massive, massive blockbuster. And it's probably going to be one of the most financially successful, profitable independent films of all time. And the reason it's succeeding is because A, Angel Studios has a good reputation because they're making that television show, The Chosen. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of religious stuff out there, but this, The Chosen is reaching people, not just because it's religious, but because it's it's very well made. That's the, Chosen's the, that's the, that's the series about the life of Jesus Christ, right? Correct, okay. correct. So, so the Angel Studios has a reputation, not just for delivering religious uh, stuff, but, but quality stuff. They know what they're doing. So they did a grassroots campaign. They got their audience out there. And now the movie's just catching on. And I think the reason it's making $100 million and it's probably going to continue to make money hand over fist for the, throughout the rest of the summer is because it's a good movie. Um, you just can't sell conservative Christian stuff if it's, if it's junk. Right. You, know, you might get a few people to come out. But this is a quality movie, and that's what's driving people to see it. So, John, Jason Hammer here, by the way. When you see the success of the South of freedom when you see Jason Aldean's song at the top of iTunes and then on the other side you've got Bud Light you've got Target losing billions Disney Disney losing millions and billions of dollars worth of actual revenue and market value does this show that the silent majority if you want to call it that is alive and well in this country what's happened is you know, we're not normal people are not stirred to action easily because we're pretty content with our lives. Mm. So we tend to look over things. We don't want to get all upset over nothing. But what's happened is that the left has gone too far, too far targeting children. And that's the line, I think, that that's that they cross that the left cross that they're not going to be able to come back from. So when Bud Light is doing business with a transvestite and it's just people are just saying enough, Disney is sexualizing all their children's content. People are saying enough. Um, this the, the 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 country singer, you know, he writes a song that that uh, is about as confrontational as the nicest rap song you've ever heard. Right, no kidding. And, and he gets censored. He gets blacklisted. And I, this stuff, people have just, they've just had enough of it. Normal people are saying, I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. This has to stop. And one of the easiest ways to protest is to not do anything. I'm not going to go to a Disney movie. I'm not buying Bud Light. And it's working. The, the message is coming across. I think that this latest Pride Month that we had, June or July, whatever it was, June, you know, when Target is doing business with Satanists, 
to sell the destructive ideology of transsexualism, which is selling irreversible mutilations, either through surgery or hormone therapy, they damage themselves because the kids is where we all draw the line. I was supportive of Hollywood. I was one of the only, I was a unicorn. I was one of the only conservatives out there who wanted a viable film industry, who defended artistic freedom. But once they went after the kids, yeah. I'm done. The whole, the whole town can burn for all I care. John Nolte of Breitbart is our guest here on the Hammer and Nigel show. And John, Nigel mentioned it earlier. You cover a number of different things when you write at Breitbart. And you had an article this past week that it kind of feels like is flying under the radar because of the news cycle with these crazy hearings that we've had in Washington and all the Trump news. But you had a story about how the New York Times came out and admitted that the coronavirus deaths were overcounted by 30%. A third. That's a third. That's a big number. And it feels like this should be a much bigger story nationally. Yeah, and, and not only did the did the New York Times uh, uh, throw that that big fact under a headline that didn't point out that fact, it was in, it was on pa- paragraph seventeen of a newsletter. <laughs> I mean, so and, and I guess the alternate headline is that you know another right wing conspiracy theory is proven true, thirty percent. So, yeah, they buried it. They buried the news. Uh, They called us conspiracy theorists. They called us monsters for even questioning the idea that the deaths might be overcounted when it seemed pretty obvious that, you know, that that it was pretty easy that they could do that. It would be pretty easy to overcount those deaths in the beginning with all the confusion. And that's a that's a generous interpretation of what happened. So, yeah, that's big news. And I think over time you're going to see that it it's going to make more and more waves as some of the, this other stuff goes by the wayside. But that's huge admission. Everything they told us about the coronavirus Everything. was a lie. All of it. Closing schools didn't save lives. Social distancing, masks. It, it was all BS. It was all about seeing how much they could control us. And, you know, John, you mentioned it. there's a list as long as my forearm here of quote-unquote vast right-wing conspiracies and and you laid it out in that article there's a there's a giant list that have all been proven to be true yeah it's it's just it's just one thing after another and if you look at so, i mean if you look at the media today is a perfect analysis of what's happening you know we've had two big days of hearings in congress and, and the, 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 the establishment media, the corporate media, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, either they're ignoring it entirely or they're just blowing it off just to give it sort of a wrist flick coverage so they can say that they covered it. On the right, obviously, we're covering it because it matters. It's a massive story. The IRS whistleblower, the censorship hearing yesterday. Yes. Um, so that's what you have in the media now. You have these competing narratives. The right is telling the truth. The right is trying to get the truth out there. It's covering this stuff. While on the left, they're just obsessed with Trump, and they're ignoring this stuff. And that's what's happened to the media now. So there's two different medias, and and that's a good thing. That's a That's about as far as we're going to get in winning the war against the media. And so, 
On that, um, talking about the media, you have another article up at Breitbart. We're speaking with John Nolte uh, about how Fox News and CNN have been suffering brutal ratings collapses. Well, CNN was always sure. going to die yeah. because of, you know, they got the most unappealing anchors. I mean, it's just the most unappealing group of white people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then they really damaged their base when they, with that, that, that Trump town hall, yep. because Trump looked great. So uh, they just damaged their base because their base of viewers is the far left. Fox, of course, is in trouble because they've also been uh, uh, damaging themselves with their base. They, they're a terrible pollster. They're a left-wing pollster. They deliberately called Arizona early during the 2020 election to undermine Trump. And then they fired Trucker Carlson. And now their ratings have collapsed 40% in the advertiser demo. And that's a lot of money they're losing because that's how you set advertiser rates. And 30% in total viewers. So it's not going to be long. I don't think it's going to be long before MSNBC becomes the number one cable news network. And if MSNBC could bring Rachel Maddow back full time, they would be the number one network now. That's how bad things wow. have gotten for Fox. Fox <laughs> used to wipe out the competition, yeah. and now they're barely holding on. All right, John, what else are you working on at Breitbart? What else uh, can we see? I saw your, your headline about Indiana Jones 5 is a disaster uh, for Disney. I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see it. Have you watched it yet? Have you seen it? No, no. I'll wait until I can buy a used copy for three dollars and fifty cents. Okay. Um, so, I, yeah, I saw you're working on that. What is it? Just not making any money, or is it? It's, it's just a. I think they spent about four hundred and twenty-five million dollars on it between the advertising and the production budget, and it's going to be lucky to make three hundred and fifty million dollars worldwide. And you got to remember, the theaters take half of that. So Disney's going to make about $175 million on something they spent $425 million on. That's a quarter of a billion dollar loss on an Indiana Jones movie. One of the most yeah. loved franchises, a sure thing. It should have been a sure thing, but you know Disney has totally burnt down their reputation and their credibility with the audience. And meanwhile, you mentioned it at the beginning, the, the movie Sound of Freedom has already made $100 million and it cost 14 to make <laughs> It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's oh. going to make a fortune. Everyone's getting rich off of it. Good for them. All right, go check out uh, John Nolte's work at Breitbart. He's the best. Have a great weekend, John. We'll talk to you soon. You too, guys. Thanks. It's been a long week, Nige. Yeah. Let's get the beer flowing. Beer Sample Friday, next. Right now. Tyler and Nigel present oh, oh, oh. Beer Sample Friday. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We are sponsored by Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. Uh, going to a birthday party for Spencer's beautiful wife, Heather, tomorrow. I believe she's turning the big 4-0. So, I'm sure she's uh, very happy that you're announcing her age on the radio. Oh, she doesn't look a bit over 30. I mean, she is. she's awesome, and the, the Thompsons are awesome. So go get your furniture delivered for free from Thompson. Thompson Furniture. Everybody else is raising your damn prices yeah. in Thompson Furniture. Not only do they support us here at the Hammer and Nigel Show, but they're keeping prices down. 
Okay, so this beer comes to us from Wooden Bear Brewing in Greenfield, Hammer. Here you go. Take a look at that, huh? Okay, Wooden Bear Brewing, Greenfield. And it feels like the name of this, it should be based in Carmel. Cougar Town. <laughs> Cougar Town Brown. It's a brown ale. That sounds like a, a terminology like you, know, you hook up with an older lady the other night. Took that broad down to Cougar Town. <laughs> So, brown ale. All right. right. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Let's just taste a little chocolate in there. Yeah, yeah. That's really good. A little good brown ale. 6.3% alcohol by volume. I I think I like these more like towards the fall when it starts to get a little cooler. The leaves are falling, campfire stuff. I liked it when they're in my hand. Yeah, good point. (laughs) (laughs) And if I'm not mistaken, somebody was telling me that Wooden Bear Brewing in Greenfield. They have turtle races. Oh, I thought you were going to say they use parts of real bear. <laughs> turtle races. So, uh, I'm not sure what that's all about. I've never witnessed a turtle race before. A lot of talk I... about turtles lately. That stupid rumor that there was this 30-pound snapping turtle in like oh, yeah. a lake somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous nonsense. Urban legend stuff. Uh, but yeah, this is a good one, man. It's been a long week. I am ready to yeah. have some beverages and Cheers. have some fun. Cheers, everybody. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.